Good morning and welcome. How's everyone doing today? This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh, a sustainability-focused business and travel consultant in Hiroshima, Japan. In this bonus episode, I will be going through some of the things that I learned from a visit to a traditional Japanese miso factory where they ferment soybeans in different ways using the same methods and the same old wooden barrels and same facility that they have been using for over 150 years. So I had a chance to visit Kanemitsu Miso Factory, which is in Fuchu in Hiroshima. It's about an hour's drive away. You can go there by train too, I believe, but I drove there an hour away from Hiroshima City. And uh, let me see if I can upload an image. All right. Can you see that there? So this is one of the Kanemitsu Miso packages that they use for export. So this is a very traditional old Japanese uh, Hiroshima-based company. They've been in this location since the 1800s. Originally at this factory, they were making shoyu, they were making sake, but now the only one that has continued is miso, and they're doing it very well. Uh, run by a young couple, who is using the traditional aspects of the miso factory and adding some innovation and sustainable ideas. Uh, before we start, anybody love miso as much as I do? I'd love to give a shout out to all the wonderful sponsors of the Seeking Sustainability Live program. Thank you so much to all of you who have promoted the episodes, who have liked, who have commented, and who have donated to the Buy Me A Coffee page, or the Coffee page, or joined as a member on Patreon or YouTube. Your support really means a lot. Thank you so much. I love miso, but until I visited this factory, I didn't know how useful miso is for using with other recipes. So um, also, I didn't realize that it's possible to get reusable containers. So when I visited Kanemitsu Miso Factory in Fuji, I was really happy to get this wooden barrel of miso. Look at this thing. So it's made of wood and it is very similar in look to the giant one ton miso barrels that they have in their factory where they ferment the miso for many years. Uh, they have many different varieties. If it's light color, it hasn't been fermented very long. If it's a very dark color, it means it was fermented for a long time. Yes, healthy food miso. That's right, Katsumi, you know. <laughs> now I have a quick recipe for you, which I learned from the owner who gave us the tour. Uh, she said, replace miso with salt in any recipe. So can you guess? the recipes I tried. I'll come back and ask you in a minute, but I want to talk again about this container. So this is a wooden 
container, not plastic, which I love. And uh, it's full of miso. Look, we've used more than half now in many different recipes. And when it's done, I'm going to take it back to the factory and get it refilled. So there's so much less single-use plastic packaging compared to miso you might buy in the shop, right? Now I have a quick recipe for you. One of my favorite switch outs um, for salt. Yes, because you're Japanese. Thank you, Katsumi. Um, miso from this company is also really popular for exports. They export to a lot of places in Europe. They export to a lot of places in the US. They have organic miso. They have uh, brown rice miso. So it's gluten-free. It's very healthy because it's a fermented food. And like I said, they're using the reusable container. And another thing that I discovered you can make, which um, my kids love, ketchup. But I hate to buy ketchup because of all the single-use plastic containers. So I tried the advice from the owner of Kanimitsu, and she said, switch out the salt and change it with miso. So what I did is really simple. You should try this at home take a can of chopped tomatoes, take two tablespoons of sugar, and take a big tablespoon of miso and blitz it all together, and you will have homemade ketchup that your whole family will love. That was a real surprise to me. I also, and I didn't tell my kids this, but I also switched out the salt in the chocolate chip cookie recipe I did for my kids. <laughs> so I put miso, miso paste in the chocolate chip cookie batter and it was really good. And the owner who gave us the tour at the factory, she suggested I try that. And it was a real big surprise. It was wonderful. Uh, let's see if I can add one of the videos from the tour and uh, share that with you. Uh, so if I show you this image, this is of their export products. Uh, let's see. Can you see it? There you go. So this is the export products that they have. Let me see if I can show it to you bigger. Can you see it there? So they have this old factory, a lot of the original buildings. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. <laughs> they have a lot of the original buildings um, that they've remodeled a little bit inside. They like to keep the original buildings because of the air and the air has an influence on the taste of the miso. So if they rebuilt in an entirely new building, they would lose some of the original flavor from all the hundreds of years at this old wooden building. So like if you look at the top, it looks like it's covered in dust, but it's a lot of salt and other ingredients from so many years, which has attached itself 
to the top of the building. Most of the building is made of wood. So if they rebuilt with a different material, the flavor of the miso would have a really different flavor. It's really interesting. I learned so much from this tour. Um, like sake, shoyu, and other traditional Japanese products, the quality of the water is also really important. So the Kanimitsu Miso factory was set up next to a really clean, beautiful river with high quality local water. And that also affects the quality of their brand. Um, you can see the packaging. This is all the export packaging for the miso. And the young couple who's running the company, we're talking about they're trying to use plant-based packaging. So even though it looks like plastic, it's made from corn or other materials, so it could biodegrade. And this kind of pressure is coming from the outside, from the export market, and also for organic certification. The pressure is coming from the outside, from the export market, because if they want to be organic at the level that is standard in Europe, for example, they have to get certification in Japan. And the certification for organic in Japan is kind of a lower level. So being really focused on the export market has made them a much higher quality brand um, than a lot of the traditional ones that don't do so much export. So that was another really interesting example. Uh, let's see if I can get a video up. Uh, the owners gave us such a great tour. It's so difficult to do a tour now. And of course we had to all wear masks and hair nets and uh, social distance, but I learned so much. Let me see if I can get this to work. Bear with. How's everyone doing today? You having a good day? Okay, if I show you this one, you can see how big the giant barrels are that they use and have used. They use these giant barrels, which look like a, a giant version of this. And they use these giant barrels for over 150 years. It's amazing. Okay, let's see if I can play it for you. Okay, these are the, this is the old factory. You see these giant doors and behind it is a giant barrel a wooden barrel that they've used for over 150 years. So they sell these new reusable barrels, wooden barrels, but it's really hard to make these giant wooden barrels anymore. And a lot of industries are finding this in Japan because there aren't enough huge trees to look. Look at how big that is. <laughs> so it's a giant tree that the trunk of it was made into a barrel. And so a lot of traditional industries in Japan are struggling to find enough high quality wood to make these giant barrels, which are used, I believe by sh the shochu industry is in need of these wooden barrels. Um, sake, uh, a lot of fermented foods like miso, shoyu. So, 
um, when we first went to the factory, um, there was a wooden barrel maker, a young guy who came from Nagasaki. And he was talking about uh, starting the company and a new innovative company that's trying to make wooden barrels. Of course, they can't make wooden barrels like this made of one piece of bark of tree because there aren't enough huge trees like this anymore. Um, so they're talking about a new technique where they have smaller pieces of wood and they uh, fit it all together into a barrel, a giant one ton barrel shape in the same size, but it won't be one piece of wood. And they've used these barrels over and over for over 150 years. The taste is also connected to the fermentation in these old barrels in the wood. So if you change it to another uh, type of material as a container for fermentation, you're going to lose the same rich flavor of their miso. So yeah, really interesting. They did have some plastic barrels, like for shorter term fermentation, but they said the taste is different and the quality is not as high. So yeah, I found that really interesting seeing that barrel. Um, let me see if I can share another short video with you. I'm not sure how to get rid of the videos. <laughs> We're going to have a very busy screen soon. All right, it's uploading. So the next video I wanna show you is the other containers. So the more standard uh, containers for the B2B market. So when they sell to restaurants or when they sell to other businesses, which use miso a lot, they have these smaller reusable barrels, but they're made of plastic. So that's what you see for the smaller b2b market and then for some of their big customers abroad they would also use these barrels and then when they send it abroad the customers abroad would use their own packaging or their own glass containers from the big barrel so it's really interesting i've heard this is the way for um, how australian or new zealand wine is often shipped around the world it's shipped in a huge container and then when it reaches the other side, the business who's going to distribute and package it, they put it in their containers on their end. And then you save a lot of time in not having to do all the packaging on your side. And uh, you save a lot of waste because you don't have to use all the containers. Anyway, it's a really good idea. Second generation, is, our customer is the, the local people. Yeah. Uh, leukemia. Uh, leukemia, not leukemia. So why? So and a Hiroshima University professor is investigation for a long time. And a Can you hear what she's saying? Uh, come out of the 
Cecil? Wonderful. Look at what he's doing up there. Oh, they are digging. Miso. Digging the miso. Digging the miso and, uh, and, and after the mish, mist, mash, mash the miso for a uh, product. Wow. Like, like a UFO catcher. Like a big scoop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, game, game center. <laughs> like a, yeah. The miso, the miso catcher, yeah. Can you hear the audio from the video? So at first she was talking about in Hiroshima and there were uh, survivors who were in an area um, recovering and getting medical attention. And some of them were given miso as part of their daily diet and their um, physical condition improved and they didn't have as much, uh, I don't want to say damage, but anyway, they, they had a little bit better recovery. And so the doctors were asking, what is it about miso that is so effective in helping people recover from illness or in boosting your immune system or being a little bit more healthy. So that was really interesting. She's talking about that from the history of the factory and the uh, effect, positive effect on health from miso, even for um, survivors of the atomic bomb blast in Hiroshima. So that was really interesting. Um, at the end there, you can see in the picture, it's I refer to it as a UFO catcher. So if anybody has been to Japan, a game center in Japan, and you've seen the machines, and I think you probably have these in other countries too, where the big claw comes down and catches something. So that's the kind of factory machine that they're using to catch the miso and to move it into a different processing machine. And I thought that was really fun. It's like a UFO catcher. All right, let's see if I can show you another video. This is so fun to be able to share videos like this with you. So I think in this video, you'll be able to see more of the uh, smaller, well, medium, medium, uh, bigger than household size, but uh, business to business size containers. And she talks about uh, this other part of their business here. Uh, thanks for joining, Molly. Molly says, a friend swears by it for recovering from a cold or flu. You know, yeah. I find uh, even for just daily health, if I'm able to have miso soup, even just once a day, or add miso to um, cookies, don't tell my kids, <laughs> or ketchup or other uh, ingredients and have miso at least once a day, I do, I feel healthy and I feel more of a balance. And that was one of the things she said in the interview. She said for women, um, because it's made from soybeans 
and it has salt in, in terms of the yin yang body balance, um, it is a hot version. So if you're having like fluctuations um, due to hormone, hormone imbalance or going through menopause, for example, um, you can kind of even out a bit better if you have a little bit of miso every day. Because I was finding if I have a little bit of soy milk, sometimes that helps me balance. But if I have miso in my diet every day, it's a little bit more balanced. So yeah, that was interesting. All right, let's see if we can play this next video for you. Let me close the last video. I'm learning. I'm learning, people. Here we go. Second generation. It's, uh, our customer is the, the local people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you tell and me. World yeah. war, um, in the World War Second, the atomic bomb dropped on the Hiroshima, and uh, the hospital, the uh, doctor feed the patient the missile, and then they are not the hospital. Uh, okay. uh, leukemia. Uh, leukemia, not leukemia. So why? So, and a Hiroshima University professor is investigation for a long time, and a missile is very. So that was the video again, where she's talking about um, the effect, the positive effect that the miso had on survivors of the atomic blast. A uh, hello from Gutenberg. Thank you for joining. Hammerstand, it's an amazing name, I love it. Um, Molly says, now you tell me. <laughs> I know, right? It's never too late to learn new things, how to be healthier. All right, let's see if I can get the next video up for you. There was a great uh, section where the owner, so the young couple are both co-owners or managers of the factory right now. And he's explaining something. It's a little bit longer, about a minute video. I've had these videos for over a month and I've wanted to put them into a video and compile it and edit it and introduce it to all of you. But I decided, you know what, talking it through like this, this is a great way to introduce it to all of you. So thank you so much for sharing this with me. All right, this is the next video. Now he's speaking very quietly. And then my son, who is amazingly talented bilingual, is going to explain it in English. He's talking about the, the size of the barrel. <laughs> Molly, I am trying. I'm learning. So, okay, here <laughs> one of the problems they're facing is because the taru holds so much miso and it's so heavy, right? It has to be super sturdy and it can't be like broken up into pieces or like put together, stuck together. It has to be one whole piece so it can withstand the pressure. So they have to use a tree that's as big as this taru, which there aren't any 
yeah. right now in Japan, or very hard to get those big. So, Mukashi datara Yakshima kara doko kara desho Okino. It's old growth, right? It grew mm. over here. Beautiful, yeah. Nearby. Okay, so uh, here, like I mentioned before, we're talking about the lack of giant trees in Japan. So it's very difficult to find tree trunks big enough to make these huge barrels like they've been using for the last 150 years. Uh, usually they need a tree that's been growing for at least 150, 200 years to be this big so then they can use the tree trunk for another 150 years. As an interesting discussion I had with Asby Brown in the series, um, he's an expert in Japanese temple carpentry and he was talking about the same problem in Japanese temples that they would often use for the main posts in the temple, a tree which had been growing for a thousand years. And then they would promise the tree, they would say a prayer and promise the tree that they would use it well for another thousand years. So a lot of the temples who have been using the thousand year old trees for over a thousand years are also looking for thousand year old trees to replace in the next thousand years. But of course there aren't any. So yeah, it's really, big problem for a lot of different industries in Japan. And it's very interesting to hear him here talking about how um, if you do have smaller pieces of wood and try to fit it into the same shape barrel, it wouldn't work as well because some would seep out or it just wouldn't contain it as well as one solid tree trunk made into the giant barrel shape. Um, so now there are as they're at the 150 year, 200 year point and they need new barrels, they're starting to innovate and think about what they could use and how they could create something that would work as effectively as these original barrels, which are breaking after 150 years. It's amazing. They've been using them to make miso for 150 years. Thanks, um, Hamarstand. <laughs> Hammerstand. Got it. And thank you, Molly, for your comments again. All right, let's see if I can show you another video. This is fun. So I did all these short videos while we were touring the factory. And uh, let me see next. I find this this one was really interesting. It's difficult to find because it's different. The layout is different on my computer and in the app. Bear with. Which one do I want? That one. Okay, let me see. Okay. So, um, in this one, we learn more about the miso industry and also inside the factory at the big barrels again. Uh, let me close this one. Okay. 
says the temperature is you know winter and um, winter and uh, summer like keep the temperature constant constant yes and uh, the bacteria like with a uh, cedar barrel and a natural wood. So this barrel is 140 years old. Yes. Looks, Maybe over. Looks strong. Yeah. Looks very strong. Yeah. That's the our um, soul, our soul of the Okay, so she's talking about um, this part of the factory. When we visited, it was February and it was much, uh, it was a little bit warmer than the outside, but it was quite cold inside. And she said um, the way the factory was built was so insulated and it's able to remain at a constant temperature um, for a long time. So it's a very good place to make the miso. I imagine that would be true. All right, let me see if I can find one more video for you. In most uh, health food stores around the world, you should be able to buy miso, right? I don't, it's very inexpensive in Japan. Um, I'm not sure about in other parts of the world. I haven't really looked when I've been abroad at Misa. But this size container, which I love, this giant uh, fans of Miso family size, <laughs> is about 20 bucks, 2,000 yen. That's very reasonable, I think. Uh, we've had, we've been using it for a lot for well over a month. All right, let's see. Where did that video go? Let's see if we can watch the last one. Important thing is water. The sheer. Why is a miso manufacturer uh, uh, there established near here? That's why the water is very good quality. Yeah, and uh, the ground from the ground is very good. Uh, natural mineral water from from the the ground and we're using for the washing rice and washing soybean we we can use for the river uh, from the water yeah that's why yeah so she's talking about um the area's water and why this was such a wonderful location for them to create this miso factory and at another part of the tour, she was talking about how um, this factory actually used to make shoyu, uh, Japanese soy sauce. It also used to make sake, but now it only makes miso. But it used to make three of the different traditional Japanese products. And the big reason they were able to make such high quality products at this location was, of course, the wonderful water from the the rural countryside in Hiroshima. Uh, Yumi's mother mails her big bottles of it every few months. Yeah, maybe uh, miso from Japan is, uh, I'm sure it's made in other countries too, but miso from Japan is very high quality. 
um, at this Kanemitsu miso factory. She was talking about they have a very good export trade, very popular um, exports. And they sometimes have international chefs or owners of health food companies who come to this small town in Hiroshima to visit and to um, see the factory and to see how it's made because it's such a key ingredient in their business, in their health food shop or in their cooking. Um, she had some vegan chefs who came and visited. So as we're trying to be vegan, it was really fun for us to be able to go to the restaurant next door from the factory and be able to eat vegan meals because that's very difficult in Japan. Um, but because she sometimes has vegan chefs coming from other countries as guests, they have been able to work with local restaurants and create um, options for when they have international guests. So it's, it's a wonderful example of how tourism can help uh, develop and improve uh, local destinations offerings, more sustainable offerings um, in terms of eating less meat and less fish is more sustainable. And let me see if I can find a picture for you. Okay, so um, just to give you an idea of how beautiful the outside of the shop is, I'll show you some pictures from the visit. Let's see. So here we can see the roof from the Kanemitsu Miso Factory's roof. So like I said, they're using a lot of the traditional buildings um, over 200 years old. And they just remodeled the inside a little bit. Looks like I can only upload one picture at a time. So feel free to ask any questions if you have any or make any comments. Happy to answer or reply. I love this sign. So this is their Kanimitsu Miso sign outside of their factory. Isn't that gorgeous? The old wooden sign with the Japanese kanji characters on it. Uh, let me see if I can show you the products some of their products. It's also outside the shop. Okay, it looks like I can drop in a photo. Nope, that didn't work. <laughs> Sorry, I'm learning. Okay, one more. Okay, so this is an example of some of the light miso paste that they export. Oh, didn't show up. Here we go. So shiro miso, so very light colored miso is fermented for a very short time. Um, the darker the miso color, the longer the fermentation. And the belief is the more minerals and nutrients 
and more health benefit. But some people don't really like the strong miso taste. So the light miso taste has, of course, a light flavor. Um, the shiro miso, the white miso, like shown in the picture, is more suitable for dressings. Um, a different variety of recipes you could use it for. The one, the family version we bought, you can see the color difference. So it's kind of a reddish brown, darker color. That's a, a stronger flavor and a longer fermentation process. You can smell it. it smells really lovely. Um, for any of you who love sake, um, miso is also made with koji. Koji is a kind of mold. And we, in the factory tour, we went into the koji area where they had the mold and um, we could taste it. And people always talk about koji when they talk about um, sake. And I didn't realize that, of course, it's a very important part of the miso making process as well. And some people really like the smell of koji, but I discovered I am not one of those people. <laughs> and when we were in the room where they had the koji, it actually made me feel a little bit nauseous, but everybody else was okay. My son was okay. Um, everybody else on the tour was okay. But for me personally, I had kind of a strong reaction to it. It was really funny. Uh, thank you, Wendy. Thanks for joining. Yeah, this is, um, she, Wendy says from Facebook, thanks, Wendy. She says, such an interesting journey. Thanks for sharing your research. This is something I've been wanting to share for a really long time. And I feel so bad that I've had all this great information and all these great videos and haven't had time to put it together yet. So I thought today I just talk it through and show you some of the videos and photos that I have before the finished video comes out. But this is a really fun way to introduce some of the ideas. So thank you so much for joining me as I talk it through. Uh, Paprika Girl, thanks for joining from Twitter. Do they have soba miso? Soba miso, you know, I don't think I asked about soba miso, but I will ask next time because did I show you my container is more than half done? <laughs> so I, I need to go back and refill my miso. So I'm going to go back and revisit that amazing vegan okonomiyaki place and refill my miso bucket. I love it. Uh, hello, Kevin from Sacramento. Thanks for joining. Hi, Kevin, California boy. Genki desu ka? Yes, genki desu, because I'm eating my miso. <laughs> so talking about miso, you guys like miso? You should be able to get miso in California for sure. Sacramento? Absolutely. I went to university in uh, Orange County and we had uh, regular trips to Japantown where we could get miso and show you and other ingredients. Oh, go fill your container. Soba miso is great for sumami for sake at home. Wow. For making, is that um, small dishes to eat while you drink sake? Is that sumami? I forgot what that means. Yeah, my Japanese. I need to study more, huh? 
All right, let me see if I can find another short video to show you. I think I've showed you a few of them. It's hard to. Oishi Nai. Oh, you're not a fan. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Pepper Girl. Yeah. So, Sumami is like sake no sakana or a kind of snack while you eat, while you drink sake, right? Okay, let me see. Oh, did I show you this one? I think I showed it at the beginning, but it's so funny. Watch how she's struggling to open the doors because the doors are gigantic where they store the miso. I just love this beginning part. You may have missed it. <laughs> it's like a parking structure, these giant doors, lockers, where they keep the giant barrel that filled with miso that they ferment over hundreds of years. Hundreds of years? She gave me some miso. So the one that I have is kind of a reddish brown that's been fermented for about 10 years. And she gave me some which was fermented for 25 years. And it has a really beautiful kind of flavor. And uh, I really like using the strong flavored ones for just straight on top of vegetables. I was reading, look at that. So that's how these huge barrels full of miso are stored in these little cubby holes just for that <laughs> amazing um yeah so the miso another fact which i'm sure any miso lover knows is it doesn't freeze so if you store the fermented type in your freezer um it keeps for years and then you could just take it out and use a dollop in a sauce that you're making or uh, substitute a tablespoon of miso for any recipe that has salt in it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Kevin. All right, let's see. Let's try another video. Okay. All right, we've gone inside the vat. We've seen the big barrels. I don't think we've seen this one yet. Okay, so she um, before was talking about the health benefits, even for survivors of the atomic blast in Hiroshima. The Hiroshima University doctors discovered that people were recovering a little bit better, had better immune systems if they were eating miso at the surviving centers. So yeah, she shared a lot of great insights about history of miso, but also history of Hiroshima. South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, their uh, market is growing, growing step by step. She's talking about the export market. So the vegan market, the halal market, mm -hmm. the healthy market yes. in other countries, mm -hmm. you have enough demand. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's awesome. So we we have to produce. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard, but the stuff is very yeah, it's very 
good worker. All of them. Yeah, it's really good. Hey, thanks for the high five award, Kevin. Women's power. We need. Yeah. And so you have organic ginmai, so organic brown rice. Yes, that's true. Yes. Um, from you said Taiwan, the soybean uh, the soybean or the... from China mm -hmm. and rice from USA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but once a year we have some uh, very strict regulation. Yeah, so check from the grains to products every every year. Yeah. And then this reusable container, mm -hmm. is it just for in Japan or is it export as well? Yeah, as well. Oh. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but unfortunately for export version, we can't retain our uh, reback. Right. Yeah. How, how much is inside? Inside? How much? 20 kilos. 20 kilos. 20 kilos. Wow. So, do you think you could eat 20 kilograms of miso? <laughs> you, you have to love miso to yeah. one. one. Yeah. I, I love miso. You, Maybe uh, we could eat yeah. that. Recycle and washing and recycle. And sometimes fixing with needles. Yeah. yeah, so at first she's talking about how at their factory, they have a lot of women working there. And this is another sustainable business feature, which I love about Kanemitsu Miso Factory. They're doing a great job. Um, they have a very flexible work um, time allowance. So they have a lot of working mothers who come in after they drop their kids in the morning at the local daycare or schools, and then they leave to go home in time to make dinner or to pick up their kids from school. Um, it's so nice to see these kind of social support um, activities at work by a small business in Japan as well. So they're not only thinking about uh, environmental sustainability, they're really taking care of their staff and the local community. So the social sustainability aspect of the business is also very strong and really nice. Um, Paprika Girl says, I didn't know that miso improved the rehabilitation of atomic survivors in Hiroshima. That's amazing. Yeah, that was really new information to me as well. It's so nice to revisit the videos and learn about that again. And Kevin, thank you, says welcome. Thank you so much. Um, yes, agree. Yeah. Um, so we are talking about these plastic vats. You can see in the video is still here. Um, so these are 20 kilogram filled, uh, reusable vats. And she said some of these they will send to businesses abroad, but it's, of course, if you're sending it export, it's very difficult to get the buckets back. But if it's sold within Japan, then they will send the buckets back or recollect them when they deliver next time. So these buckets, although they're plastic, they are being reused, washed and reused. So that's better than single use containers. That's for sure. All right, let's see if I can find another video for you. So it was really interesting to hear also that the rice, the organic rice, the organic brown rice 
comes from America. And the organic soybeans comes from Taiwan. That there is such a high demand for soybeans in Japan, but very little, if any, is actually grown in Japan. Um, so because they have organic certification abroad, they have to use a certain grade of organic rice and organic soybean. And unfortunately, they can't get that from Japan. So they have to import from Taiwan and America and then make it in Japan and then export it back out. I don't think I showed this one. Let's see. It's really hard to keep track of the videos. I apologize if I'm repeating a little bit. Try this one. Then the bacteria is, a Kanemitsu bacteria is living. Yeah. So, how long do you ferment the miso? For, uh, uh, for example, organic genmai, brown rice miso is over one year, and also the barley miso is over one year, and a shiro miso is a little bit different, uh, the system of the ferment, fermentation. And uh, shiro miso is very low sodium, and, uh, and rich rice, and it's very sensitive miso. So we, when we produce in a soybean and a fermented rice and salt and low sodium, low salt, and that mixing, and keep the high temperature, then and maybe six hours later, and a shiro miso is already finished. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, the system. and it's really cold inside. Oh uh, yeah, is that natural or natural? We don't have electricity. And uh, air conditioner we don't have. And uh, inside of the the wall, wall to wall, there's a brown, the rice brown inside. Insulation. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> when so the stuff hit the wall, and a uh, rice brown is coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. So here she's talking about the insulation. And inside the walls, which are kept so thick so that they can maintain a constant temperature inside the fermentation rooms, um, the walls are so thick and they're filled with rice bran. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, rice bran is from the outside of the rice that's taken off when white rice is made, I believe. <laughs> It's a byproduct, anyway. And uh, she said, if the delivery people, by mistake, if they hit the wall, the rice bran will spill out of the wall. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so is that rice water? So not rice water. I think she said rice bran, Kevin. Yeah. Um, Kevin says, here in my area, Yolo County in California is a big exporter of rice to Japan. Jasmine rice. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't expect that because Japan actually has more rice made in Japan than people consume or that they can sell. 
So it's interesting to me that there is still rice being imported. But if you're talking about organic rice, there is so little organic rice being grown in Japan. So of course, companies like this that want to make organic miso from organic rice would be importing organic rice from other countries like California in America. Yeah, thanks. That's so interesting. All right, I think I have one more video here. Let's see. Oh, almost at an hour. I'm trying to keep this to an hour. So we got nine more minutes, eight more minutes. So if you have another question or comment, please do that within the next eight minutes. We'll try to fit it in. I don't think I shared this one yet. It's weird when you're looking at the videos and the thumbnails are different on HAPS or on my desktop for some reason. So it's hard to tell which one I have uploaded, which one I've already showed. Ah, what's the difference between organic and non-organic rice? Good question, Paprika Girl. And Kevin says, actually, it might be to other countries in Asia. Okay. Yeah, I think very little, there's not much uh, rice that's imported to Japan, but it might be some, like to their uh, organic miso, they have to import the rice. Uh, Paprika Girl, difference between organic and non-organic rice is organic rice in Japan allows some mild um, fertilizers and uh, treatments of the rice to keep away the bugs, but basically no chemical pesticides, no chemical fertilizers, and you're not allowed to use on your fields. I think it's for three years, and then you can get certified organic, but the certification qualifications for organic certification in Europe or organic certification in America, I believe is a much higher standard. Perhaps you can't have used any chemicals on the fields for five years, or you have a certain grade of chemicals that you're not allowed to use. So from what I've heard from organic farmers in Japan is that the standards are a little bit lower in Japan, that they do allow some chemicals to and pesticides to be used in Japan. Um, but if like this company is exporting organic rice, organic miso to the European standard, then they have to make sure the rice is of that standard. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing, huh? Okay, let's see. I don't think we have had this one. Six tons. 3.6 tons. tons. And how much does it cost to buy this size of barrel? Now? Yeah. Over maybe 3 million yen. Maybe, yes. Wow. Uh, over. But you bought 150 years ago, so. How much was it long time ago? Much cheaper. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Wow. And so, 
we want to make the new world. We want to uh, give them the manufactured wasake and show you also the miso. They're finished to produce now. Yeah. So many companies. So they asked us, oh, please uh, give them, give our borrow and to use your warehouse. Wonderful. Yeah. It's sustainable. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Reuse is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here she's talking about um, some of the barrels that they've been using for the last 150 years. Um, they were donated from pe uh, people who worked in the shoyu industry or in the sake industry. When they stopped their business, they donated these valuable barrels to them for use in the miso factory. And they really appreciate that. And of course, it's more sustainable and it's very um, advantageous for them because it's impossible to make these barrels now. Um, she said, if you tried to buy a barrel like this now, it would cost 3 million yen. $30,000 in the US? That's amazing, right? Yeah. So it's basically impossible to buy barrels from natural wood in this size anymore. Three tons of miso is in there, I believe is what she said, which is amazing. Okay. Interesting fun facts. Thanks, Kevin. I think I've got one more video here that we haven't shown yet. Let me see. Well, maybe. Nope. She's talking about the water there. So there's a few more. I don't have time in the next three minutes to upload any more to show you, I'm afraid. Um, but I am working on digging out these short clips from my phone, trying to get it up. Um, maybe I can do another walkthrough broadcast with you and talk it through. But um, yeah, maybe just release as a video on YouTube. Um, or once I find the other clips, I might do another talk through like this um, through HAPS and you can add your comments and questions along the way. It's really useful and nice this way. Um, so my big takeaways from visiting Kanemitsu Miso Factory was um, all of their historical heritage facts, for example, um, using a similar process over many years using the old 150 year old wooden barrels, but it's impossible to find these new barrels now. Um, <laughs> I keep finding myself wanting to tap the screen to add hearts. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, you can like Instagram, right? Someday, someday Haps might let you add hearts with a tap. <laughs> Um, also, I love about this factory, all the sustainability features, how they're really taking care of their staff. Um, they have a lot of female staff. They have flexible work times. Um, there's a short video, which I didn't have a chance to upload yet today, but it shows in the factory how all the female staff is tapping down 
um, the packages to fill the miso and then sending it through on the conveyor and it's scanned before it comes out. <laughs> uh, Kevin, used to Periscope or Instagram. I know it's hard to use the different platforms, right? Um, yeah, so their support of local staff, of course, they're really helping the local community by maintaining operations um, for so long in such a small rural community, which helps um, provide employment for local people. It also helps as a destination by having an active business. It helps other businesses around, um, helps the local economy. It brings people in. Like I mentioned before, she has uh, vegan chefs visiting from around the world who use their miso in their recipes or in their cookbooks or selling in their health food shops. So these chefs and business owners from around the world come to visit this small rural town in Hiroshima and uh, learn about how their miso is made and then add that information in their cookbooks. And so in that way, this business is also acting as a very important aspect of uh, destination branding and drawing visitors and more interest to the local rural area. So yeah, there's so many wonderful um, positive effects by this small business uh, running in rural Fuchu an hour away from Hiroshima Station. Yeah. So anyway, I've got many more insights from Kanimiso, Kanimitsu Miso to share with you at a future time. But thank you so much for joining today. And I think that was a very fun first try of my HAPS from my computer uh, operation today. So thanks for joining me on this adventure. Uh, Kevin says, I miss living in San Francisco across the street from Japantown and going to the Japanese grocery store and getting miso soup, etc. Yeah, it's awesome. When I was a university student in California, in Orange County, and uh, a lot of my flatmates would go to Japantown and come back with canned coffee. <laughs> Something which after many years living in Japan, I can't stand canned coffee. It's too sweet, but it was a real novelty to see that many years ago and uh, many positive experiences eating vegan ramen in California or, you know, vegan sushi, things that you can't get in Japan yet, but hopefully we'll come back, rebound Japanese culture abroad, rebound back to Japanese culture in Japan. That'd be great. Uh, thanks so much for joining, Kevin. Thanks, everybody, for all your wonderful comments and questions. Really enjoyed it. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.